Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey, this is Dr. Rob again, and I'm so glad you chose to join me speaking from Seeking Integrity programs here in Los Angeles. There are lots of podcasts that I do that involve other people that offer the opportunity to see what they have to say and listen to experts, and we do an awful lot of that, and I hear great information from you guys, and I appreciate that. But this particular podcast is one I wanted to do on my own because I think it's a topic that I wanted to talk about that we really need to talk about, and I don't see it showing up much in the history of what we've talked about. And that topic is forgiveness. This is a very, very difficult concept, idea, issue to talk about, because I think when we think about forgiveness, we think about it in absolutes. You know, we feel like we have to get to a point when we are ready to forgive. And then sort of after that point, we have to reinforce to ourselves when we get angry or upset, oh yeah, I I said I was going to forgive this person. And forgiveness is also complicated because there are things that happen to us like being cheated on profoundly, like having someone involved in sex addiction that we know that is so personal. These things that are so much about, I thought if you loved me, you wouldn't do these things. That it isn't just about forgiving someone's behavior. It's about forgiving or thinking about forgiving the whole concept that I can't trust you, that I can't believe in you, that it may be something that I can forgive in terms of your actions, but the larger problem of my no longer believing in you, of my no longer thinking you have my back, of my not being able to hold on to the love that I have for you because I'm not sure if you love me back. Those kinds of issues are very difficult to forgive, if ever. And this whole idea of forgiveness, I think, creates conflict within us because we feel like we're supposed to reach a certain point. And as I said earlier, at that point, we're ready to forgive. And everything in popular culture and spiritual and religion tells us that we are to forgive, that we are to find peace with our issue, whatever that is with another person, and that we need to find a way to come to terms with it and have peace with this other person. We're told that we need to put these issues aside and move beyond them and be finished with them. That's basically what my experience of forgiveness is in the culture. And yet I hear a lot of you tell me, especially your partners, I don't know if I can ever forgive. I don't know if I can ever forget and let go of what's happened. And so first thing I want to say, uh, and you probably know this already, is forgiving is not the same as forgetting. 
Um, I'm never going to forget some of the things that have happened to me. I'm never going to understand how to come to terms with some of the things that have happened to me. And while forgiveness may be something that I can achieve, and it may be some kind of process, which we're going to talk about, forgetting is not the same thing. Understand that I looked at you in a certain way. I believed in you in a certain way. I can't forgive the belief that I had in you. Maybe I need to forgive myself for having held that belief. And I think a lot of us struggle with forgiveness in part because we blame ourselves. We say, well, I should have known about this, or well, how can I not see this, or those kinds of things. And so forgiveness becomes complicated because it's not just about forgiving that other person for what they've done to me and for the way they've treated our relationship. How do I forgive myself for having let this situation happen, for having not seen what was coming and having my heart so open in a situation where I had no idea that it was going to be crushed? And I think that is really the harder piece because it seems obvious that the person that we most often have trouble forgiving is ourselves. You know, our anger at ourselves, our shame about the way we've made choices, our disappointment that we were not the person we thought we would be or we didn't have the insight that we thought we would have. Those are even sometimes much more difficult things to forgive because forgiveness implies that we can begin to trust ourselves again, not just that other person, but that we can begin to look at our decisions as something that are accurate and helpful. And I know many, many of you partners and spouses and people who are hurting say, you know, I can maybe, if I don't know if I can ever, but maybe in some way I can come to forgive this person. But forgiving myself is about how can I avoid choices like this again? And a lot of what I hear come up, of course, is how could I have made this choice? And maybe a moment to you spouses and partners about forgiveness for yourselves in terms of not seeing what was coming. And I just want to say to you, our anger and our shame and disappointment at ourselves often comes from a place of, I should have seen this coming. My neighbors saw this coming. My friends saw this coming. Everyone I know knew that they were cheating on me. Everyone I knew uh, could see it coming, could understand what was happening, had the insight. What is wrong with me? that I have been unable to see or did not see what was going on in my life, that my spouse was cheating and violating our relationship. How could I not see that? And how could I ever trust myself to not see it again? And for that particular point, I want to speak to forgiveness to those of you who say, how could I be the last to know? You know, when a mother has a child who does something horrendous because they're mentally ill or very troubled. They cause uh, an incident or some violence in their lives. And that mother is going to turn to the police officer who comes to her home or the doctor who comes to see her about her child. And when this is said, you know, your child did this, or we're so sad to say your child did that. The first thing that mother's going to say, and probably for a long period of time, is my child couldn't have done this not my child, not the child that I love, not the child that I bore. And of course, we know factually that this child did do these things, and maybe even neighbors and other people saw this coming, and yet that mother or parent did not. And I want you to understand that when you love someone deeply, and they are meaningfully important to you, perhaps one of the most important people in your life, that you're, you are not going to be the person who wants to see them who could call, as someone who can cause you pain. The last person who would look at this person that in your life and say, I know they're going to hurt me. I know they're going to hurt, hurt other people. I can see it coming. Don't you understand that you are the last person to see that coming? 
It's and you would be the last person to see that coming. Just like that mother who who everyone could see that kid had problems, they were mentally ill, they were acting out whatever. That mother is going to try to dismiss it or push it away or make excuses or do the best she can to help her child, of course, because she doesn't want to see how troubled that child is. She wants to see her child in the light of healing or in the light of it not being as bad as she thought or in the light of um, my love for this child and our relationship could never allow this to happen. And the truth is, is that every neighbor, uh, a lot of times people in school, people who other people who are more distant relatives might be able to see, oh, look what that child is doing. I'm worried about that child. They may come to the mother and or the father and say, you know, I'm really concerned about how your child's doing. And in general, oftentimes that parent will say things like, well, it's not that bad and we're really working on it, et cetera. And don't you understand, those of you who are listening and struggling with forgiveness for yourselves, that you would be the last person who would see that the one who loves you is hurting you. You would be the person who would want to hold on to what you have and the hopes for what you have and the belief in what you have. You would be the last person to say, oh, the person that, you know, my partner would do this to me. And while your neighbors and someone this man or woman works with and other people on the outside can say, oh my, look what that person is doing. They're cheating. They're acting out sexually. They're not present for that family. They're disappearing all the time. Of course, other people can see that because they are outside of the situation. They don't have the great emphasis that those of us who love someone who hurt us has on them being well. They have a much broader perspective to look at this person and see the problems and the challenges. And we think to ourselves, but our neighbor knew, how could I not see it? I'm right here. And of course, the reason is, is you can't see it because you are right there and you're holding that person closest to you. And therefore, it is a great shock for the person who's involved in the relationship to see what's happening when others may have known about it for a long time or at least suspected. So in terms of self-forgiveness, I just want to say to you partners and loved ones of people who cheat and sexually act out, to forgive yourselves with the idea or from the idea that I should have known, I should have seen this. How could other people see this coming and not me? Because I want to give you the grace in this self-forgiveness place to say, this is not my fault. There's nothing I could have done to cause this. There's nothing I can do to make it better. There's nothing I can do to fix it in the future. And most of all, even more than saying, I didn't cause this, which is, I think, the number one part uh, that we have to forgive ourselves. Number two is, how could I not have seen this? And I want to give you the grace, all of you, to say, you know what? I couldn't have seen this. I wouldn't want to have seen this, even when I saw evidence of pieces of this. Why didn't I pay attention? Why didn't I notice? Well, you didn't notice because you love them. You didn't notice because you thought, unlike someone who might be a neighbor or a friend, that this would be the last person to hurt you. We are blind. We have filters on to the people we love, and we hold on to our love for them and our belief in them much longer than perhaps we should, much longer certainly than other people might see. So to all of you, first step of forgiveness for you, and then we're going to talk about forgiving the person who cheated. First step in your forgiving yourself is realizing that 
it is highly unlikely that you would have seen this coming. It is very likely that you would have written off signs that this person might hurt you or be about to disappoint you or might be letting you down. You will be the person who is last to have a view of what's happening, despite the fact that others may see it more clearly. And that is because you love them, you're close to them, and you would want to see them as you should as the last person who would cause you harm. So that is a little bit about forgiveness for yourself. And I wanted you to hear that because perhaps you look at uh, you partners, you spouses, you loved ones of addicts and sex addicts in particular, you look at them as being the focus of your forgiveness. And on some level, I think the forgiveness has to start with yourself. So now I really want to talk about the idea of forgiveness for the person who's hurt you. And I think this is the most difficult part in some ways because we, again, see forgiveness as an on and off button, a right or a wrong button, uh, I have forgiven or I haven't forgiven, or I'm on the way to forgiving. Those kinds of things can leave us feeling, as I said earlier, like it's a switch. And when I'm at a certain point, I can switch that thing and it goes on or off, and I have forgiven or I haven't. And the primary issue that I want to bring all of you today is that forgiveness is not one thing. Forgiveness is a process. Like grief, which we know goes through the stages of guilt and anger and forgiveness and, and being depressed and acceptance and all those stages that were identified a long time ago by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her primary books about death and dying. Um, she identified that there are many stages to grief and that we can go in and out of them. You know, one day we're angry, the next day we're bargaining, two days later we're in forgiveness, then we're back to, to shock, this couldn't possibly be. And we will go back and forth for a long time before we get to the stage of acceptance. And then even then we may move out of acceptance and come back into it based on circumstances. Just as grief has specific stages of healing, as I said prior, so does relationship healing and forgiveness. And I think one of the things that you have to ask yourself when you're listening, listening to me go through this is, where am I in these stages? Where have I been? Where am I going? You will go back and forth and up and down, and none of them will land perfectly or stay in that place. But to see yourself in a place of forgiveness and where you are in forgiveness rather than having forgiven or having not forgiven, I think will make it a lot easier for you to see how to go forward. And I also want you to see where you get stuck, because I see a lot of betrayed partners and spouses get stuck in particular stages of the forgiveness process. And they kind of think like, that's the end. I'm done. And that's the way it's going to be. And I think they may be surprised to see themselves change or move I have seen partners be angry at themselves. How could I forgive? How could I move beyond this? How could I let this person or set myself up to be hurt again? So I want to go through these stages of forgiveness. And you may recognize where you are. You may not be in one of these places. But I want to give you a sense of how science and psychological literature looks at forgiveness. So the first stage of forgiveness is hurt. I have to acknowledge the depth of the pain and loss that this betrayal has caused me and my relationship. I have to go into this incredibly hard part, which is how much this has hurt me, how much this has devastated my life, the degree to which this pain has devastated me. And I think in some ways this is the hardest part and the one that you can't skip, the part that you have to delve into despite everything you would like to do, which is hold on to your love, your caring in the past, this is when you have to say, okay, 
I cannot avoid, nor can I push aside, how deeply this has hurt me, how deep my loss is, and not only to me personally, but also to the relationship that I thought that I had. The hurt and disappointment and lack of belief in yourself, I think that is the first stage that we have to go through. And it is in some ways, I believe, the hardest one. The next stage of the forgiveness process is anger. And I think a lot of us are very familiar with that feeling. And my hope is, and one of the things I say to the spouses is, one of your jobs in the first year is to hate us, is to hate the addict who has hurt you. Now, that word hate is really strong, and I don't mean it quite in that way when I say that. But what I do mean is that you have to be able to get in touch with, and some are not, this feeling of, I hate you, how could you have done this to me? We would say experiencing and processing rage, deep hurt, and betrayal that I am taking into myself and working through, not only as we started, which is the pain and the loss, but now working into, how could you do this to me? And knowing you and knowing what we've been together and the time we've spent, how dare you? How could you? I am worthwhile. I am lovable. You have said these things to me, and yet you could do these things to me at the same time. And just like the stage of hurt and really acknowledging the pain that we've been in, the anger is also required. Because if I've been hurt, I have to be able to stand back and look at that situation and understand within myself that I have the right to be furious. And I have the right to be furious at this person, whether they like it or not, whether they come to me and say, as we often do as addicts, well, look at how hard I'm working. And I really loved you all along. And, and I wish you would forgive me. And I didn't really mean it. And you know, I have a problem or else I wouldn't have done this to you. Well, none of that matters a whit when you are in that stage of anger, nor should it. What you need to hold on to at that point is how deeply you're experiencing this anger and how the betrayal is what's brought that about. You know, this is what I talk about, and we all talk about less loss of trust, that the deeper betrayal and violation to our relationships is not that you went out and did this sexually or did that sexually. The deeper hurt and the deepest pain is that you could betray me like this that I believed in you, and I had a certain view of you, and you are nothing like this, and I hate you, and I hate myself for it. And just like hurt, anger follows, or anger is a part of that. And the third step of relationship healing or forgiveness is also something that I see pretty often, and I think we're able to get in touch with, and that is to accept the reality of the loss and its effects without denial, or without avoiding it. And boy, as angry as we are, sometimes it's very easy to say things like, well, this couldn't have affected my children or my family because they don't know about it, which is a form of denial. Because of course, children feel and experience everything that's going on in the family, whether they know about it or not, from zero <laughs> to uh, for the rest of their lives, but especially when they're living at home. And accepting the reality of what this might mean for my relationship, for my future, accepting that I have been deeply affected by this, that my life is not going to be the same. I'm not going to push it away. I'm not going to pretend it wasn't as bad as it was. I'm not going to avoid the fact that my life has been pushed into a place that I never wanted to be. And how could I possibly accept 
any of it, that this person left me here, that I had no idea that this was coming, that anyone who loved me could do this to me. The acceptance of what my relationship has been and really understanding the underlying uh, loss that it has caused me. And when I say denial or avoidance, you might think, oh, well, I am in no denial and no avoidance of what's happening to me. And yet part of the forgiveness process is understanding and be allowing yourself to get in touch with how every part of your relationship with yourself and this other person has brought you to a place of uh, great pain and harm, that there is a reality here of the loss and its effects, that we cannot deny them, we can't push them away. And here's a good one. We cannot say to ourselves, it's time to forgive. I understand what's happened, and now I'm ready to forgive because no one is ready to forgive when they're in that place of it wasn't as bad as I thought or as others thought, or we tend to try to avoid the realities of how this has affected our family, our work situations, the people who are the next-door neighbors, the people who these folks have acted out with. All of it is affected in some way or another, and boy, do we not want to see that. The next stage is, I think, the hardest one that I see spouses and loved ones go through. And I don't mean the hardest one in terms of acknowledging the hurt and pain, because that is a very deep, internal, emotional, sometimes shame-based, sometimes self-hatred place of how could this happen to me and my relationship. But letting go is an entirely different thing. And I think that involves the pain of the relationship and the pain of coming to terms with, how do I get past this? And I want every spouse and partner to hear this. This is where you get stuck. If you're going to get stuck in this forgiveness process, if you even intend to go through it, if you're working with a therapist who doesn't understand that this is a stage and not the end of the process, it's not going to go well in terms of healing and forgiveness. And that stage of acceptance sounds like this, willingly releasing the desire for revenge or holding on to the grudge. In other words, that at this stage, at this point of forgiveness, I have come to the point where I'm not less angry, I'm not less hurt, I haven't forgotten about what's happening to me, happened to me, but I'm not going to go after them at this point. I'm not going to make them feel pain. I'm not going to look for revenge. And they're, you know, I'm not going to take all their money. I'm not going to have sex with other people. I'm not going to tell everyone that uh, they've ever met about what they did to me. I'm not going to cause pain and destruction in order to, in my idea of it, make myself feel better. And the grudge I'm going to hold on to the pain. I'm going to hold on to the loss of trust. Those are things, as I said earlier, that don't come easily and may never come. But a grudge, the idea that I am holding something against you and I will never let that rage go. I will never let my feelings of you deserve pain and I am going to punish you. Um, that until you are X, Y, Z, and I'm talking about the way you treat me and the way you act, not the acting out, not the lying, not the cheating. But until you become a warmer, better, kinder, more loving person in general, that I will never be able to let go of the grudge and the desire for revenge I have. And to that, I say, you know, what the priority is here is that the person stops acting out, that the person stops actively doing the things that leave you in pain and leave themselves causing so much destruction. And the second and later stage 
is becoming a better person. And this is in part, I think, what spouses and partners struggle with is how do I not feel the sense of a grudge or hold on to revenge when this person is still not being warm, when they're still not showing up in the ways I want them to for the relationship, when they're still not able to see my needs and um, the ways that I want to be able to depend on them. And, you know, part of what I think you folks need to know who are in pain and hurt is that becoming a better person takes time. You know, it takes therapy, it takes 12-step programs, it takes a lot of self-reflection. There is a great deal of work that has to be done before I can become a better person, less narcissistic, less available. In moments, yes. Overall, not. Can I at least see the things that need to be affected, that I need to do to begin to reduce the grudge and the feeling of revenge? Yes. I can show up for my family. I can show up for my recovery. I can do the laundry. I can take care of things that need to be taken care of. I can show up at minimum for my recovery. And those are the things that are going to make partners begin to feel less, uh, more trusting and more faith. But some of the feeling of revenge and the grudge comes from how could you treat me and do what you did and now not be kinder, not have more empathy, not have more compassion. And that is part of what holds on, at least me holding on to this grudge, is if you understood the depth of what you did to me, then you would be X, Y, Z. And I wrote a, a book called Out of the Doghouse, and we teach a course at Seeking Integrity called Out of the Doghouse. And the subtitle for that book is uh, has to do with finding forgiveness for men who have cheated. And yes, I did write it for heterosexual men to try to understand how healing might take place with a woman. And while there are many other populations, gay populations, trans populations, all kinds of populations that have to deal with the issue of having been cheated on and the pain that that causes, I wrote to this issue in Out of the Doghouse because I understand I have never met a man yet, no matter what he has done or what the problem has been, that has understood how to achieve this sense of finding forgiveness and peace with their partner. For some reason, us addicts, and especially men, think flowers, candy, gifts, taking on vacation, um, saying I'm sorry a gazillion times and I didn't mean it, that somehow that is going to change the anger and hurt that you have and begin to bring about forgiveness. And I got to tell you that sometimes and often I tell the men that I work with, stop doing that. Stop saying I'm sorry. Stop saying please forgive me. Stop saying I didn't mean it. Because all of those things invite the partner whose job it is not to come forward and have sympathy for us or empathy for us, the people who have hurt them. You do not need to have sympathy or empathy or compassion for us because we've been through a painful time or we feel terrible about what we've done or we want forgiveness. Those requests are selfish on the part of the addict and, they, and you have no place in having to respond to that because it is not your job to accept are pleas for you to do or act in a way that we want you to. You have hurt us, and you have the right to continue to feel that hurt and work through that hurt, regardless, hurt of regardless how long it takes. And some of what I've written about is that it can take 9 to 18 months for a spouse to forgive in a meaningful way. That is dependent on whether I, as the person who cheated or the addict, has completely been committed to the process of change. I am not going to get you to even forget, begin to feel good about me uh, again, nothing to do with what I say, but are you seeing me in an active process of healing and not acting out and not calling those people and not going online 
and going to therapy and going to meetings? Are you seeing me in an active process of not doing the things that I'm not supposed to do and doing the things that I am supposed to do? And that's the part that begins to leave the partner thinking, maybe this can move forward. Not words, not pleas for forgiveness, not gifts, not understanding, because all that asks the partner to do something for the person who has cheated but rather for those of us who do our best job in becoming the person that our spouse had always thought we were, that out of the doghouse in part teaches us men, this is how you do it. And you know what? If you don't want to act this way, if you don't want to act with compassion and empathy and showing up and being humble and being one down, then don't stay in the relationship because this is what's required to achieve the healing and the change. Again, I hear a lot of you spouses say, well, you know, after doing all this, why can't they be a nicer person? And I agree with you. They may not be able to innately feel empathy and compassion and understanding for you, but they can take steps to not cause further pain. Addicts and cheaters can take steps to help you understand that they have a clue what you've been through and that their that their forgiveness process, if you will, is not going to happen just because they want it. And all of that is to give you spouses a timeline for the forgiveness process or this changing process, which is, you know, can be a year or more. Now, I will say that the anger and the hurt and the frustration and the disappointment and the rage, it does need to slow down at a certain point, providing the person who has hurt you is doing the right things, as I said, and not doing the wrong things. Over time, that process will begin to change. Now, again, will they absolutely be the best, most loving person in the world? No. Will they automatically understand what your needs are and fulfill them? No. Will they be the greatest communicators and empathic people? No. But can they begin to demonstrate and show that that is the goal and the direction they want to go in? Yes, that is something that those of us who lack empathy and lack compassion can do. So I want to bring you back to the fourth stage of forgiveness and letting go of the rage and the pain, which is to some degree, you have to let go of that grudge. And until you have, and you earned it, you deserve it. You have a right to have a grudge, to be resentful, to want to cause revenge. You know, you have the right to feel that, to want that. And some of you may act it out. I'm going to take every penny he has, you know, as I said, whatever it is, or every penny she has. But the reality is, is that In order to forgive and have peace, we must get past that point of demonizing and wanting to punish. Unfortunately, what I have seen some therapists doing is encouraging the desire to punish, encouraging the revenge, encouraging the idea that we can never be forgiven, that the addict will always be a perpetrator, will always be some kind of person who's going to want to hurt us or deliberately hurt us, that addicts are sociopaths who don't have any caring for what we've done and can never achieve any kind of empathy for you. And I think that kind of thinking that can come from some therapists and some modalities, they will make partners feel better. They will make partners and spouses feel like, yeah, that's the person who understands me. They understand that I can never, that I will always hold on to this revenge, that I will always want to punish them, that I always hold the grudge. And believe me, if you tell that to a partner when they're in that space, they will cheer for and love that therapist. Good. You understand what that person has done to me, and you understand that I'm never going to let it go, nor should I. And unfortunately, I, I don't think that's helpful. Because while we will go through all these other stages of anger and hurt and accepting the reality of the pain, at some point, if we 
the partner who has been harmed, the spouse who has been, whose life has been destroyed, the person who has been deeply disappointed, if they want to go forward, they have to say, I may not be ready to forgive. I may not be ready to have the grace to let all this go. And you don't. But you do have to let go of the desire to punish. And you do have to move away from your belief that you can make this person pay for what they've done. Because then you are becoming the person that you don't want to be. And how many spouses have I heard say, I've become the person I never wanted to be because of these circumstances. I'm angry all the time. I want to punish them all the time. I want to, I want to make sure that they feel the amount of pain that I have felt. And while we are angry all the time, and we are hurting all the time, and we do want that person to understand what we've been through, it is not our job as an angry or hurting spouse or partner to punish that person, to treat them in a childlike way and, uh, and see them as someone who we need to punish. So this is the hardest part that I see spouses and partners struggle with when they have been deeply harmed is how can I ever let go of my desire to hurt this person back? And yet I will tell you without question that that is a stage that you must get to if your plan is to move on with a relationship. You must get past the point of wanting to hurt this person back. You have to get past your deep judgments and grudges about how to punish them about what they've done. Because if you don't, then you can't move on. It is so attractive, so comforting, so validating to want to punish, to act out revenge. It makes so much sense. And it is part of the early part of, if you will, forgiveness. But to forgive is to take an action. To forgive is to say, I am going to let go of wanting to hurt this person in the ways that they have hurt me or in any way, that I have a right to my anger, I have a right to my broken trust, I may be living in that distant, fearful, unhappy place for a very long time, as the other stages speak to, but I am not not looking for revenge. And once that stage has been accomplished, or at least there are pieces of it that are shown up, then we can reach what we call the final stage, which is moving on. Moving on is taking steps toward healing closure and moving forward, whether through reconciliation or finding peace independently. And I want to emphasize that, that moving on to closure and moving forward for ourselves does not necessarily mean reconciliation. Moving on and forgiving in that way is something that we have to take inside of ourselves. And so whether I decide that I want to reconcile my relationship or I want to find peace independent of that person, that those are perfectly acceptable solutions to closing my pain, to beginning to move on from this situation. So moving on does not necessarily mean healing the relationship. It can also mean that moving on means discontinuing the relationship. You do not have to put yourself in a position where you'll be hurt again. You do not have to put yourself in a position where trust will never be returned. And it is okay to say, I can't do this anymore. And I've given away my grudges. I've given away my revenge. I am not moving away from you because I want to punish you or take my revenge. I want to move forward by finding my own peace on my own. Now, again, I will say to you that those five things will go in different order. 
Some people will experience some of it and not all of it. Some of you may take a great deal of time. It could be a year to begin to move through different stages. But these are the stages of forgiveness as we know them. And they are equally important to one another. So I'm going to go through these again in order before we stop. But I do want to say that it is not your job to forgive. You don't have to ever forgive. You don't have to ever move forward in the situation with this person. This work that I'm talking about is not something they're actually doing for or with that other person at all. This is a series of processes and work on yourself that will bring you to peace and you to a place of forgiveness in this process. And hopefully over time, forgiving them but that doesn't mean that you have to move forward with them. So these are the stages of relationship healing, or perhaps a more clear word to say it because it describes many situations where others have caused us pain, is the stages of forgiveness. Here are those stages. Hurt. To acknowledge the depth of pain and loss the betrayal has caused me and my relationship. Two. Anger. Experiencing and processing deep rage, deep hurt, and betrayal. Acceptance. Accepting the reality of the loss and its effects on me without denial or avoidance. Four, letting go. Willingly releasing the desire for revenge or holding on to grudges. And finally, moving on. Taking steps toward healing closure and moving forward, whether through reconciliation or finding peace independently. The reason that I have gone through this and taken the time for this is because I want all of you to understand that forgiveness is not an on on and off button, that we go through many stages of it, that we can get stuck and realize that in order for us to move on with or without the relationship, that we have to get through parts that are difficult, enter parts that are incredibly painful, and accept things that on some level feel unacceptable in order to move forward. I want you to understand that forgiveness is possible whether you stay with a person or you don't, and that forgiveness is not for the other person. In many ways, forgiveness has to be focused on ourselves. We have to experience and acknowledge our hurt, our anger, accept the reality, let go of the grudge, move on toward healing. Those are the steps that we have to take, whether or not a person that we love ever enters their own healing, moves back toward us or away from us. This is our internal job. And once we have done this job as thoroughly as we can over whatever period it takes, then we can begin to decide and move toward or away from this person. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope this has been useful for you. I find this to be something I had never known about, never understood this idea that forgiveness comes in stages or that I might be in one place or another. But again, when I see people get stuck in the desire for revenge or stuck in avoiding the pain of what's happened to them, I understand that they have more places to go as hard as that may be. In going through those places inside of themselves, they are going to find the peace and the hope and the trust that they can move forward with, with or without the resentment. The last thing I want to say is that there are many books on the stages of forgiveness. There are videos, there are podcasts, there are all kinds of ways that you can go out there and find more information about the process of forgiveness or relationship healing. 
My point here to you was to point out that there is a process and to give you an opportunity and a really important opportunity, I think, to see where you are in the process and where you might go and where you might get stuck. So from the program Seeking Integrity in Los Angeles, this is Dr. Rob Weiss, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.